Welcome to the Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So make sure you subscribe, leave a review. That helps us out. So getting into today's episode, George and I are going to talk about goals. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. How's everything on your end been lately? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, I need to set some goals, though. <laughs> I don't yeah, have any all, current goals. Like I said, we all need goals. Uh, I actually had a question for you. When you were training two times a day, what was your favorite breakfast, your go-to breakfast? Hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is one time we were... We had a last minute like emergency meeting. It wasn't even an emergency meeting. It was just like we we were supposed to be at training at like nine, let's say that. And they sent everybody a text message at like seven forty five and they said, Meeting at eight o'clock right now, be there. And they did some stupid thing where like, Oh, be there or off your team. Um, and they were just it was uh, again, it was the owner trying to pull a power move rather than, you know, the coaches. And um I was making eggs and bacon and uh, I didn't leave. Travis ran out the door and he went there and I was like, no, I'm in the middle of making bacon and eggs. I'm going to finish making my bacon and eggs and then I'm going to go. So at that time, bacon and eggs was more important to me than being forced into a meeting that was uh, ended up not being important and it ended up not being a big deal. Um, again, it was just one of those power moves. Um, and then, uh, so maybe eggs and bacon, you know, I like to, I like the high fat. I like the protein, um, easily, easily digestible in the morning. So um, how many eggs are we talking? Are we talking like five eggs, four eggs? No, maybe like two or three. Cause especially at that time I was still 77. So I was like, uh, I was, I was keeping, uh, Keeping my eating to a minimum, I would say, um, yeah, two or three eggs, and then uh, I would do a pan full of bacon, and I'd probably eat half of it, and then my wife probably eat the other half. Um, so yeah, I think it was a pretty good breakfast. Yeah, we're pretty similar because I'll eat two whole eggs, two egg whites, toast, two slices of bacon, and yogurt normally. So it's almost similar. Yeah, yeah, you're eating a little bit more. Well, you're also, uh, well, no, not. Th- I mean, 81 is not that far off of 77. What, what do you walk around at? What's, what's your like day to day? I sit between 81.9 and 82.7 most of the time. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too high, um, nothing too crazy. You can eat a lot. Yeah, when I start to get closer, I'll just kind of cut out the yogurt or maybe the piece of toast and. Just stick to the eggs and bacon when I get closer to competition. Nice. Yep, that'll do it. All right, so uh, I've got a question for you. This is not a weightlifting um, question. This is, I don't know how to work a Mac computer. So for those of you who know anything about Mac computers, you're, I've got an Apple phone too, and the text messages come through on my computer. And they ding yeah, so- every time. And Go now this is just 
dinging during this podcast and it's driving me crazy because I don't even know how to shut it off. All right. So, uh, George is our IT expert. How do we do this? <laughs> so yeah, move your mouse up to the top. All right. And then you see where it says like your battery, Wi-Fi, and all that stuff. Yep. Click the one that looks like two slides. Got it. And then you should be able to put focus on. Do you see like the focus option? Where's like uh, an option? Do not disturb. Yeah, there we go. Oh yeah. Um and then turn that on, it should silence everything and you can I think you can select how long, maybe an hour or to later this evening or nice i got it on so let's see we'll see if uh, if you guys hear any more um dinging uh i messages coming through from my uh um my school my kids school um so you know we do a lot of stuff here you know not just weightlifting you know some uh, some it stuff um uh speaking of other things that we do so last week we, we had the hand care uh, episode, and some of us were in the gym, we were talking about it, and um, I think it was Flynn, and Flynn brought up that um, if he's got a callus, instead of using one of those like pumice stone things, that he uh, would take his Dremel with the, like the little drum sander, and then he would use that to sand down his uh, calluses. And then he would know that the callus was thin enough once he started feeling the heat from the Dremel and the friction. And then he would stop. And then he said that that would get his uh, calluses right to that perfect level. Um, so I thought that was a kind of an interesting thing, the one that I haven't heard of. Um, for those of you who are out there, Dremel's like a little spinning tool with a little uh, a sanding drum on the outside of it. That uh, I guess you can change the change the tips, but a sanding drum is one of them. Um, and as far as using tools like that are not designed for hand care, that sounds like the safer one to me versus like razor blades. Cause we were also talking about it. And we got one guy in the gym that just cuts his calluses off with a razor blade. Um, I think there's just too much risk with that, but the Dremel, that sounded pretty cool. Yeah. I was going to say that kind of sounds like, um, me and a couple of my buddies when I was in Korea. So we were in Korea and we'd go to the gym a lot and then we would do PT in the morning, which is like the army's version of training. And, um, we would use a jigsaw. So we took a jigsaw, we took the blade, we doled it completely down to where the blade couldn't cut anymore. And then we took a golf ball, drilled a hole in a golf ball, filled it with epoxy, stuck it on the end of the dull blade, and then used the jigsaw as a massage gun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what a Theragun is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it works. It, you know, if it works, it works. Uh, I know one of the popular things a while back, I think Tom Soroka did it, was he was uh, using like a car buffer and then he would just use that to kind of buff his uh, like skin for a warm up just to kind of, uh, you know, get the, I don't know, I guess just to warm up the fascia, make it, uh, make him feel a little bit more warm. Um, and, you know, it works. It gets you warmed up. Um I don't know. It doesn't really do any like, uh, you know, in-depth body work or anything, but it gets that, uh, that superficial tissue warmed up and, uh, and ready to go. But, uh, he liked it a lot. Um, eh, I did, I couldn't really tell much of a difference. Um, yeah. I was going to say, once I got the Theragun, I could start to feel a little bit of a difference. I think the jigsaw was just a little too much with the golf ball. So it would almost tire you out. Cause it was just, 
hitting you so hard all the dang, all the dang time. Yeah, yeah, those uh, those power tools can be intense. You just need to get the little old lady version of the jigsaw, and then uh, you know maybe a little bit less powerful. I don't know. Um, did you get the one that was battery operated or like plug in the wall? Uh, we had the cheap one that plugs in the wall. It was like I think forty mm-hmm. bucks. So you plug that thing in. There was no adjustable speed or anything. It was just like you're in for a ride on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the ones that plug it in the wall just tend to get more power and they tend to be more aggressive um, because we got like uh, somebody at the gym got that attachment. They didn't they didn't make it themselves, but they bought it um, for like a little golf ball type thing on the end of a jigsaw. So they they had his jigsaw, which was a battery powered one, and they had mine, which was a plug into the wall. And uh, and they were both like the cheapest jigsaws that you could buy. And um the one that plugged into the wall was significantly more aggressive. Um, so maybe there's something there. Uh, maybe you just need the battery powered one. Um, yeah, I think even though there's a company that they bought it from, it was called like jigsaw massage. Um, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Um, I think one thing that we should mention, we're talking about these things because they're just products and stuff, but keep in mind that the basics go way further than, jigsaws and and uh and their guns so it's like sleep and eating those eggs and bacon in the morning are going to take you further than your uh your theragun um, yeah, i heard an interesting podcast too that was talking about stress so you know a lot of times everyone's like oh when you're recovering try to avoid as much outside stress as possible and try to get as much sleep and eating which sleep and eating is good but um they were basically saying that stress is all about how you approach it with your mindset so you could actually get like uh, testosterone release and growth hormone release from learning how to moderate outside stress as well. Instead of just trying to avoid it completely, they won't just only lower it by bringing out like um, I'm trying to think of the other hormone. Can't think of it. The mm-hmm. top of cortisol. Right yeah, cortisol. There it is. That it won't just release cortisol, or you could actually get some good from it if you have a positive mindset, like optimistic mindset towards the stress. Have you ever yeah. Anything like that? Um, well, no, my, my, yeah, yes, I have. Uh, but my first thought on that is, uh, that just seems like the difference between like a short-term plan versus a long-term plan, you know, avoiding stress is a short-term plan, you know, uh, moderating and changing outlook to stress sounds like a long-term plan and, uh, you know, weightlifting is all about long-term and, you know, if you, uh, you, you play the long game. You know, you, you're probably better off. Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, you know what? That kind of brings us right into a good segue into our main topic of goals. Um, you know, the difference, there's all sorts of goals, like long, uh, long-term, short-term, this type of goal, that type of goal, and they can kind of get a little overwhelming. Um And I will say, like, if you uh, just to like start this off, if you work with like a sports psychologist, um, they could probably work with you and kind of get all of this stuff organized for you real well. Uh, You and your coach can work on it, too. Um, uh, Sports psychologists kind of like just take this and then bring it to another level and they incorporate other things that are... um, you know, more specific, you know, that's like the next level up. So we're, we're just getting into like the, uh, the very tip of the iceberg 
and uh, and you can kind of go as far as you want with this, or uh, you can just avoid the topic uh, completely and avoid that stress, uh, <laughs> which is a short-term plan. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, to do the broad thing, there's different types of goals. And so we're going to start off with a uh, with kind of three main different types of goals. Um, so you've got process goals, performance goals, and then outcome goals. So a process goal, what that is, that's a, you know, I'll go the other way. We'll start at outcome. Uh, outcome goal is like what you want to achieve. All right. Um, let's say you want to achieve uh, a, a competition at a national level. All right. So here you are, you're, uh, you're planning and you're like, oh man, I want to go to the American Open. Um, so that's your outcome goal. And, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit l- later about, you know, dates and all that stuff. Um, but that's, that's your main outcome goal is go to the American Open. So what do you need to do to go to the American Open? Um, let's just say you are uh, a, an 81, um, just because I think George might know that qualifying total for the 81s. Do you know what that is? Yeah, for the American Open, I'm pretty sure it's a 203. Yeah, so 203. Uh, so that's what you need in snatch and clean and jerk is to get a, to- a 203 total in a uh, USAW local meet. Uh, and make sure you do it early because otherwise you're going to pay $375 for your late registration fee. Um, but uh, so you've got your performance goal, and that is 203 at a competition. So that's where you want to be like, that's where you have your specific, you know, things that are going to help you achieve that outcome goal. You know, the outcome goal is kind of broad and vague and it's just like way off in the distance. Um, then you come down to this performance goal, which is specifically what is the performance that you need to achieve that outcome goal? And in this case, the performance is a 203 kilo total in that body weight. So, you know, you have your specifics and then you can kind of get into, you know, you look at the registration dates and all that and, you know, you figure out you have to have this total by this date. And then uh, then your performance goal is, you know, sign up for this meet, perform a 203 kilo total at this meet, and then you could sign up for the American Open. So it's, you know, pretty clear. Um, and uh, so now the, the last goal is the process goals. Um, and this is where I was going to say for the um, outcome goal, you could use the um, acronym SMART to kind of set up that outcome goal. So the S for SMART would be uh, specific, and then M would be measurable, A would be achievable, R would be relevant, and T would be time-bound. And that kind of just gives you a little bit of a bracket to kind of make a good outcome goal. And then you could have like your coach or your mentor or whoever you have just kind of go over that outcome goal with you to make sure that's actually achievable and reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that that one's pretty good because you know sometimes you just make an an outcome goal that's um, unrealistic, and then you just don't know that it's unrealistic until you know you actually just break it down, or it or you might make an outcome goal that's too easy. Um, so using that, I think, is really good to kind of you know dial in and get a better grasp on 
making that outcome goal. Have you have you heard of uh, upper bounds? Nope. All right. So um, an upper bound basically is what you were talking about where you don't set the goal too low. So for example, let's say that my goal is to snatch 124 because my current PR is 123. And I plan to do this in um, a training cycle. So roughly a month or two months. I could also put at the upper end of that goal 126. So then that gives me the room to go from 124 to 126 within that goal. And um, you could land anywhere in between there. And it also helps you not put that that ceiling over to where it's like, okay, I'm going to hit 124 and then I'm done and possibly limit my own potential. Or if you're setting your goal to limit your own potential, you could have that upper bound limit and try to land somewhere in the middle between the lower number and the higher number, or possibly crush the higher number and readjust from there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that idea. Uh, Cause that, I mean, that falls right into like the performance goals. Um, and then you're just giving yourself more opportunity for success. Um, which I like that anytime you can take a win, you know, that's a good day. You know, if you can, uh, if you can get a win out of something, you know, that's uh, that in- improves confidence and, you know, and, um, makes you excited about training really. Um, yeah. And I also like the idea of not holding yourself back because sometimes if you have your number at 125 or sorry, 124, and then you hit 124 and it was super easy, uh, just mentally you're satisfied you know, even if you were physically capable to, capable to hit 126, you know, since you are just kind of mentally satisfied at 124, you achieve your goal. You're just kind of like, oh, good. Like I got it done. Like check mark. It's just that mental switch. Yeah. I was going to say, that's funny that you mentioned that because, um, I used to set my goals very, very specific, like, okay, I'm gonna hit this number and I'm gonna be good. And then, like you said, I would hit that number and then boom, I was satisfied. I was like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. And I hadn't yeah. missed any lifts before that. So there's realistically, I could have probably kept going. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had another like three or four kilos in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how much of a difference that makes, you know, you hit the goal and it's just like, Oh, I am done. Like, you know, yeah, that was super easy, but like I couldn't even do a, a convincing attempt any heavier because you just mentally done. Um, so outcome goals using um, the SMART principle uh, is great to kind of help you kind of get a realistic goal, put that time frame on it. So S, uh, t- tell us what that means again. S? S is uh, specific. And then and- M is measurable. A is attainable. R is relevant. And T is time bound. Nice. So that's a great principle to have for your outcome goals. And then for performance goals, we talked about upper bounds, um, which is great to uh, give yourself some wiggle room and more chances for success. And, um, you know, when you have more opportunity for success, you win more often. And uh, I really do think that winning is a habit. You get used to winning and then uh, you just start winning more. Um so that's in there with the performance goals. So that last one is the process goals. Um, the process goals are the things that you can do every single day that are going to help you towards your performance goal. Um, so for uh, we'll, we'll go back to our example of our 201 kilo lifter. Uh, sorry, n- not a 200 kilo person. 200 ki- 201 kilo 
qualifying total for the 81 kilo lifter. Um, what do they need to do, do to be able to total that in a local competition? You know, first thing that they need to do is, you know, they need to make sure that they're sleeping, you know, their recovery. Um, well, you know what? I should almost say this. They should make sure they're training. Um, you put on your calendar, uh, training three times a week, you're going in and you can even put little boxes on your calendar. You came Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you got check marks. Those are your process goals, just like showing up to the gym. Um, another process goal is, you know, sleeping eight hours a night. Um, you know, and these can be like the really specific things, you know, if it's something that you don't have a problem with, you know, you don't even have to write it down as a process goal. Like if, if you have no problem sleeping eight hours a night and that's in your routine, you know, don't even write it down as a process goal because you already got that covered. The process goals are the things that, uh, you kind of need to start working on to kind of turn them into becoming a habit to help you reach your performance goals. So, um, for example, somebody that doesn't like to eat breakfast, a good process goal would be to make sure you eat some breakfast or you got any other good ones? Yeah. I was going to say a good one for that is, uh, basically aligning your environment for the goals at hand. So like, for example, if you're not really good at eating breakfast, maybe, um, getting more breakfast foods in the fridge or like on the shelf. So like when you, that's the first thing you see when you open the fridge or like the first thing you see when you open your pantry is breakfast foods that kind of help align your environment to where you're like, okay, I need to actually eat breakfast today. Or like you were saying with the training three times a week, if you have it on the whiteboard or on the calendar, it makes you see it every single day. Cause you're going to look at that whiteboard every day, or you're going to look at that calendar every day and just kind of setting up little things around your environment. So maybe in the gym or your house to just kind of give you that daily reminder every time you see it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just right in your face. You know, there's no way to, uh, to avoid it no way to accidentally or purposefully avoid it. Um, yeah, those are all really good, uh, good tricks. Um, so that, uh, you know what that reminds me of is, um, that book by James clear called, uh, atomic habits. You know, that full book is almost just like completely about that is about like, how to yeah, make was, those happen. I was going to say, I actually got that from, um, James clear. I go lie to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of good stuff. I mean, uh, you get on his newsletter and he just sends out like a weekly newsletter and, uh, you can just read the newsletter, just like the little, uh, bullet points of it and then get some immediate stuff that you could start applying and, uh, you know, get useful information out of, or not even information. You can get actionable information right away and that's yeah. really what he is about i was gonna say i got that book from you because you had mentioned it in the group chat i had never read it before and i was like you know what? i'm gonna check it out and see see what everything like see what this book is about and um after i started reading it, it was very digestible and i feel like he just gets to the point he doesn't really add a bunch of filler words or filler information he just makes sure that you get what you need each chapter and then you move on yeah yep yeah, it's uh it's a very efficient uh, I think like the theme of his uh, newsletter is the most value per word newsletter out there or something like that. Um, I think it's worded better, um, but it's that's the same concept is that the, it's, there's no waste. You know, you read it and then you're just like you're getting good information right away. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, 
an introduction. You know what I hate is when I'm getting a recipe online and they have the recipe at the end of the of the page and like you're trying to get to it but they're talking about like making this dinner for grandpa and blah 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 and I'm like I don't care about you know what you made your dinner for grandpa 30 years ago like just get me to the recipe yeah the five page Um, blog with a quarter of a recipe on one page that's it (laughs) yeah I know and it's um but um I I guess I get it I guess I wish the recipe was at the top and then if I wanted to to read it the story was on the bottom I don't know but that's probably why I don't have a recipe uh, um uh, blog. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, to outline, you got your outcome goals. Use the SMART principle to set your outcome goals. The next step down, your performance goals. What do you need to hit those outcome goals? Uh, and when you're setting these goals, put upper limits and lower limits, especially in weightlifting. It's easy because you know you have a specific number. And you have qualifying dates and everything. So it's easy to, you know, put down specifics of exactly what you need to hit. To hit a 201 kilo total, you know, um, you need a, you know, 90 kilo snatch and a 111 kilo clean and jerk. Um, You know, you can even break it down to something specific like that. Or even just ranges because, you know, you might miss your third attempt on snatch. So... Maybe you need 85 to 90 kilo snatch and a 111 to 116 kilo clean and jerk um, in competition. So, you know, that uh, that's your performance goal. And then uh, down to process goals, the things that you do every day. Um, and if you really think about it, this is the one. The process goals are the only ones that matter. And pretty much... I think even there's a part in James Clear's book where he's like, it's been a while since I've read it, but he's pretty much like, oh, goal setting's useless. Um, you know, habit forming is where it's at because the habits that you set by these process goals are what's going to actually get you to that outcome either way. Yeah, he was mentioning something about also not setting too many goals because um, a goal takes a lot of focus. And then if you have too many, you start to scatter your brain out and then you're trying to focus on too many things at once. So it's good to have a reasonable amount of number of goals too. Don't, don't go crazy and try to set a goal for everything because then you're going to subconsciously try to focus on everything at once. Yeah. I, uh, that, uh, yeah, that's a lot of good advice. So, uh, the theme of this podcast is, um, go to, um, the internet and, uh, buy, uh, atomic habits and read it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's process goal. Number one, you know, uh, you maybe even make that part of your process goals, read 20 minutes of this book every day, you know, and start, uh, start progressing. Um, I think that's a good, you know, that's a good, uh, a good start. If you're going to take anything from this, that's worth it. All right. I, uh, I had this idea. So we've got, um, um, Amy Livingston and the team, and she has a website, Amy's Savory Dish, where it's got like uh, recipes and stuff. And I'm looking at it. 
and I just got done talking all that crap and she has the recipe on the bottom. Um, maybe we're going to have, uh, we're going to have Amy in here one day and we'll talk about why, um, why the recipes, uh, blogs have the, uh, the recipe at the end rather than at the beginning. Maybe there's a reason. Uh, and maybe I'm just too, uh, I'm just too ignorant on that, uh, that field to understand why, but, um, you know, that might be a nice one to go into. Get a, get some cooking in there. Cause you know, that's a big part of our podcast and a big part of our training is cooking. You know, me and you focused a lot on, uh, on the smoker, which I think, you know, is kind of like the, the theme of, uh, the theme of our, uh, eating and at house of weightlifting is, you know, everybody's getting a smoker. And I think Andrew even sent a picture to our group, uh, group chat is that he's smoking a brisket today. So yeah, that thing looked big too. So what is your favorite meat to smoke? You know what I had just the other day was um, honey chicken uh, kebabs. So it was uh, it was chicken, like uh, zucchini, uh, bell peppers, and onions just on a kebab. And I marinated it for maybe like six hours and some honey, soy sauce, and, you know, some parsley or something else. Uh, you know, nothing much. And it was uh, it was pretty good. And you know what? I think I found the trick to uh, to chicken because we were actually at, uh, I think it was one of the competitions with you and you let me try one of your pieces of smoked chicken and uh, yours tasted way better than mine um, because I kind of got in that habit of like low and slow for chicken. Um, but really the 350 is kind of where it's at for chicken because if you go low and slow for chicken, it just takes too long and it just dries it out and it's tough. Um, but really 350 with chicken. And then once it hits 160 internal temperature, you know, you take it out and, uh, it's just the right amount of moisture. I think for the smoker, I think the low and slow, which I don't even, you still get a little bit of the smoke taste, but not as much as if you went like at, you know, 220 and you smoke it for a couple, you know, well, chicken is usually like 45 minutes to an hour at 220 or something. Um, but yeah, I think chicken, I'm getting the hang of it a little bit better. Um, and I'm starting to like that more. But uh, I, I don't know what my favorite thing I've had. I like brisket okay, but it's probably not my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, I think my favorite is chicken. Just because you can do so many things with chicken. And then, um, or a good, you know, I've actually enjoyed smoking uh steaks on there too just slow smoking a steak a lot of people mm-hmm. don't really slow smoke steaks i don't feel like i don't really hear people talk about steaks but i'll throw two ribeyes on there and let it sl- uh, slow smoke for a little while and then pull it out and that good smoke taste i don't know it's mm-hmm. just good do you uh do you reverse sear it or anything or do you just yeah so it depends um when i first started i was just um, basically smoking it and then I would eat it. And then Raina was like, let's try, um, reverse sear. So then I put a little butter on the skillet and reverse seared them. And, um, I feel like the reverse sear kind of takes a little bit of the smoke taste away. So if you have some really good pellets, I would just slow smoke it and then eat it like that. Yeah. I'll have to try that out. I've been, uh, I've been avoiding steak because, uh, out here in South Carolina, the steak is, um, raising up in price. Um, and so I've been moving more towards chicken or some other stuff. Um, I really want to try a pie too. Yeah. I haven't tried any of the carbohydrate 
pie type things yet. Um, which I'm not much of a baker. Um, uh, maybe I can get my wife. She likes baking and then we'll just finish it in the smoker. Um, give that a try. Um, but you know what my favorite is, is probably salmon. Smoked yeah. salmon might be my favorite. That's Rena's too. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I got a recipe for my brother-in-law and he was in the army. He was, a uh, in the army a long time ago and he was stationed up in Alaska and he got uh, a recipe from some, some local up there where, you know, they were just really good at, uh, you know, making salmon cause you know, they, they just have a lot of salmon up there and uh, it's pretty good. I've, uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. I've kind of used the same one over and over again. I haven't tried too many other things. So, cause it's just, I just enjoy it. Um, but you know what, um, you know what happened? Um, I bought a salmon. Um, I, I don't remember where it was from. And it was the last one. And like the front looked like it was like a little bit messed up. So it wasn't like a clean looking fish. Um, and I was just like, oh, maybe they just messed up in the packaging or like cut it up. And uh, so it didn't look that great. And so then I opened it up and it smelled like shit. <laughs> and I was like, the salmon's bad. Um and uh, then I tried to return it, um, and like uh, they didn't. Uh, they, you know, how they like. Oh, if you have the same card, you can return it. So I went there and I gave him my card, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it was on this card." And they were like, "Oh, it's not showing up. You can't return it." Um, so then I was like, "That's stupid." Like I'm 100% confident. So I went and found the receipt, you know, in. Um, in like the, the grocery bags kind of underneath my sink that I turned into trash bags. So I finally found this receipt and I went back there and it was on the receipt on that card. So I went back there and I was like, um, I got my refund. Cause it was like $25 for, a, you know, a thing of salmon that smelled like shit, like <laughs> literally like shit, not just it smelled bad. It smelled like shit. And, uh, so then I got my refund and then, you know, that whole experience has almost kind of turned me off on salmon. Cause then I'm thinking, man, this is going to smell like shit. And I'm just going to be thinking about, you know, this rotten salmon that I got. Um, so I think I'm going to wait a little while and then I'll go back to salmon. And I think I'm going to go like, I'm going to go get like the high dollar salmon. You know, I'm going to go to the, to the nice restaurant and get like the, the wild caught free, you know, salmon rather than like the, the farm raised, you know, mass produced one. You know what I really want to try is a, um, dry aged steak. Have you ever had one of those? Um, I think I had dry aged, um, what did I, what did we have? I think it was deer. I think it was, yeah, we had dry aged venison and it was good. I don't think I've ever had the dry aged steak though. Yeah. There's a steakhouse around here that's local that, um, so if you don't want to eat in the actual restaurant, you can just come and buy the dry aged steak and they do like 30 day, 45 day. And I think 45 is the most. And you could just bring that steak home and cook it yourself because, you save like almost 30 bucks just getting the steak and bringing it home. So I'm thinking about doing that possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you move here, there's a place that has them that I saw. Um, there's a place called the peach stand, which is kind of like a local, um, you know, a local gas station slash little market. And it, uh, they've got a butcher shop and they've all, they've got all grass fed beef and stuff in there. And they had some, um, some dry aged, uh, meat in there. But I, I save those for special occasions. You know, the, the meat's really good. I got some sh- beef short ribs there that were, you know, really good. 
um, but they were expensive. Um, but yeah, I think this like dry aged ribeye was like $21 a pound or something. So, um, so when you were training super hard in your prime, what was your favorite meal to go to then? Like for dinner, if you're like, if you're celebrating like a PR or a big competition or something like that. Hmm. Um, well, once I just said, uh, beef short ribs, um, another one of my favorite things is actually, uh, Korean beef short ribs where they're kind of cut thin, uh, like quarter inch thick. You got to get them cut for you cause they don't have a bone saw. And then you kind of marinate them in, in whatever that marinade is. And that's, that's probably my second favorite thing behind, uh, salmon. But, um, back in my prime, you know, I think like I didn't get into smoking until, you know, just like, uh, a year or you know, almost two years ago. But, um, the, you know, back then it was probably just like a sandwich. There used to be like this little Italian sandwich place down the road from muscle driver. And then, uh, we would just go there. Um, and I didn't do a whole lot of food because I was always trying to stay in as in a 77. So it was just like, you know, keeping, uh, keeping a check on that. But, um, you know, if I had to say anything back then and now it's probably ice cream. Yeah. I can get down with ice cream. I was going to say pizza is probably mine. Something mm, about it, pizza. I can go eat a whole pie every time. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I don't like pizza. You know, I'll 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 eat it like if it's you know if I'm hungry, but like if I have a choice between like pizza and like something bland, um, you know what's what's something bland? You know, just like just chicken breast or something. You know, like I I eat chicken breast. Um, Even over in New York, have you had like New York style pizza? The thing. Yeah. So when I went up to New York, I went up there in like 2011 for this uh, seminar. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try out like this New York pizza and uh, maybe I'll like it. And I was disappointed. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty under uh, or it was over, overhyped, I think. Uh, I will say that some pizza that I did like is some pizza that my grandmother made. Um, and it's like this Italian recipe and it's like uh, there's no tomato sauce on it. They called it like a white pizza. Oh, the white um, sauce pizza. Yeah. No, not sauce. Oh, yeah, no there's sauce. no sauce on it. Um, and it, it, I mean, it didn't taste like pizza at all, but it was pretty good. It was very garlicky and rosemary. And um, I remember eating it as a kid, but I can't like tell you what the ingredients were because it's been too long. But I remember liking that as a kid and then having regular pizza and kind of being like, ah, I'd rather have spaghetti, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I also never feel great after eating pizza. So then it's just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't care for pizza that much. Yeah. I, I know people that. are going to hate me. People pizza are going to be like. Me, as I say, pizza makes me pretty bloated. So that's only if I got a rest day or something ahead of me, I'll probably eat pizza. Mm, yep. So your, uh, your process goals is uh, don't eat pizza. No. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, speaking of that, that's a good, uh, that's a good point about goals is, to, um, don't, uh, not to make them like don't goals, like don't do this, you know, focus on things that you do right rather than things that you shouldn't do. Um, you know, again, taking wins where you can rather than like, oh, I messed up, like, 
you know, set things up so that you win more often, not so that, uh, you focus on your losses or what you didn't do right. You know, that, uh, I think that's a big thing is, you know, it goes back to that other thing that you said in the beginning about, um, um, what was it, what was it you saying? Like something about the, uh, about the mindset of, um, I don't know, you're talking about stress and cortisol and testosterone having what type of mindset? Oh yeah. The optimistic mindset. Optimistic. I don't know why I couldn't remember that word optimistic, you know, uh, a winning mindset, you know, giving yourself more chances to win, you know, focusing on the optimism thing. you know, that's a, that's a big thing. Um, yeah, you know, um, I actually got this from you too. Cause at the gym, we have that PR board that's on the wall. So I kind of created my own little PR board in my own house and, um, I'll put all my numbers on there and then I'll put a goal beneath each of those numbers. And I can just mm. sit there and look at each of those each day. And I even put five rep maxes on there, three rep maxes on there. And that way, anytime I hit a new three rep max or five rep max, I get to go erase that number and put a new one. And it just nice. starts counting all those little wins up like you're talking about. Yeah, if you've got the space to do that, I mean, that's that's huge. Um, that was one of the things that Glenn did is, um, you know, he would, he would, uh, he would provide wins on you know, the craziest complexes that are super long. Um, he, he was just good at remembering the weights that his athletes hit on them from a while ago. And then he'd be like, Oh, well you hit, you know, 123 on this one. And today you hit 124 on this random complex. Um, so, you know, just keeping track of what you uh, what you've hit in the past on even obscure things like three reps, five rep maxes, or, you know, obscure complexes, gives you an opportunity to find a win. Um, and that's kind of what like the West side system does, you know, they just provide more opportunity to win. Yeah. I was going to say, even like a training journal, I don't really see anyone with like a training journal anymore. And then, you know, where you just write down everything that you do every week and then you can kind of go back to the week before, see the numbers that you hit and try to beat them by a kilo or a pound, whatever, whatever kind of place that you're using at that time. It just really mm-hmm. helps you uh, mentally move forward and see the progress. Yeah, I'm, I cannot uh, cannot understate how, uh, or I cannot say like how valuable that is. Um, and it doesn't even have to be increased weight. It could be you did all of the reps and you finished the workout at a faster pace. You have more. You did more work density. Um, you know, it or could no be. Misses. Yeah, it could be no misses. That's a huge one. Um, it could be, you know, let's say snatch. It could be taking no steps forward when you're snatching. You know, the um, even if it's like a light day and you know you're not going to miss because, you know, you're only working up to 60%. But if you do all of your snatches and you don't take a single step on the recovery, you know, that's a, that's a way to win. Um, and, you know, that's another one. That and... Uh, you know, always recovering on the jerk front foot first. Um, if you're doing a split jerk are surprisingly effective things as to like increase your efficiency in weightlifting. Um, so like you can, you, well, pretty much we're just going down this path of all of the different ways that you can find success. So if you're having trouble finding a way um, to you know, find success in your training, you, uh, you just need to look a little bit deeper 
and maybe get some inspiration from some of this stuff and you can find success pretty easily. And then when you find it, celebrate it because success brings more success. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I heard somewhere, I think it was on the uh, weightlifting scoop that um, I guess Glenn would tell you guys back in the day, if you don't have a training log, you weren't training seriously. Or is it something like that? Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like something you would say. I mean, we o- I always kept one. Um, I don't know. I Yeah, thinking back of the people that were the most successful, I wonder if Jared kept one. I bet he did. Um, Travis kept one. Um, Travis was really good at keeping records. I kept one. Uh, yeah, and I'm not sure who else. Yeah, because when I heard that, I was like, yep, I'm going to buy a journal today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some value in that. Just the act of writing things down helps uh, improve things. The act of tracking them uh, improves it. Um, So, and then if you put some like um, intent behind things too, then you're going to get even better. Um, Oh, so I had one more thing about goals. Um, When you set a goal, um, you can either make it private or public, you know, you can, uh, you can kind of, there's two different ways. And, you know, I've never really heard anything specific about this, um, like a right or wrong. So this is kind of coming from personal experience. Uh, and I think it comes down to, you know, personality, whether you make things public or private. Um, so my friend, uh, friend Jared Fleming, who actually just mentioned, um, was a very much like, he put his goals out there publicly and like put the pressure on him to like go after those goals. So like, you know, he would say like, uh, like right before a competition, he posted a video of him hitting the unofficial American record at a local competition in the snatch. And then at that competition, he hit it at a national competition. So like he put the pressure on him, like, you know, he put that out there and just like, Hey, everybody take a look at this. You know, I, I hit this just recently like implying that he was about to hit it again and he kind of put that pressure on himself and then he went out there and that was like a way for him to publicly you know state his goal that he was going to hit that weight at the competition because he did it the day before the competition so you know obviously you know that was his intent and uh, then he went out there and he hit it um and uh on the other hand i uh i tried something like that once and uh, it did not work for me, um, which was interesting. You know, kind of looking back, I was like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to hit. I, I think it was snatch again. I was like, I'm going to hit this snatch. And uh, then I went out there and my focus was so much on my third attempt snatch that I missed my opener, I think. And then it totally messed up my whole rhythm for the rest of the meet. And I didn't hit my goal. I was like, oh, well, that was dumb. Um so like the, um, you know, putting that goal out there publicly kind of messed me up, you know, it, uh, it, it set me up for failure rather than setting me up for success. So then I kind of moved my goals to being a little bit more of like, you know, set my goal in private. You know, I know with my personality, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to go after it, whether people know it or not. So I set my goal privately and then I found more success with that. And that, um, 
you know, that, that tended to work for me. Um, and I think you just kind of need a very, you just need to look at things kind of analytically, um, and maybe even try both ways to see which one works best for your personality, because not everyone, um, for me, for example, setting my goals publicly does not, uh, it, I think it ended up hindering me. Now there was a couple other things wrong with me stating the goal in that way, as far as like, um, just some basics of goal setting, but, uh, I have found that setting, keeping it private and just like putting my head down and getting to work works better for me. You have any experience on whether like uh, putting your goals out there publicly or private or any thoughts on it? Yeah, I was going to say I'm more of a private guy myself. Um, for example, you know, we'll get in the group chat, me, Tyree and Andrew, and we'll all talk trash to each other and try to get each other to hit heavier weights or try to kilo each other. And um I found that if I get in there before I train and I start talking trash, I don't do so well that day. <laughs> <laughs> but if I go and lift and then I wait till the end of the day to come back and talk trash, I normally do a little bit better. Yeah. I think it's like you said, I'll get too focused on, oh, I said this, so I got to do it now instead of taking my time and warming up. Because I find if I warm up slower, then I lift heavier weights compared to if I'm like, okay, I got to hit this heavy weight today and I start trying to get to that heavy weight sooner. I'm not warmed up enough. And that tends to happen when I start to put my goals out there publicly. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know what? That's a good, uh, that's a good place to practice. Um, if you're not uh, comfortable putting your goals out there um, publicly is to put it out there publicly to a small group of people first, like a group chat. And you're like, oh, wow. Like I put it out there into this group chat and like I got shit done. Uh, and then maybe you can even step it up and put it out there. And maybe going out, you know, full public is a little bit too much pressure. So, you know, you can kind of play around with these things um, and figure out what works for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I think that's a, you know, that's a good lesson to uh, to learn is, you know, which way works best for you. Yeah, I like to also think about like the, um, so like when I'm training and I have that goal, and let's say like I'm getting up to that goal or that PR attempt. I'll try to act like the camera is like, like my phone's an actual person almost because I won't start recording until I get closer to that number. So just the extra pressure of the camera filming me helps me rationalize the lift and make it possibly, I guess. I use it as a tool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good one. You know, you put the pressure on with the, with the camera. I've, uh, I've used that one myself a few times too. You know, that uh, even just to like, you know, you just get a little bit more of a crisp rep when you got that pressure of, you know, like, oh, this is on film. You know, maybe that's just our generation. Maybe like uh, the next generation that might not work because they're used to being filmed all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I I got that from you. You're telling me to do like a uh, Facebook Live possibly. And then I was like, I don't know, that may be a little too public. So I'm going to just act like my camera is a Facebook Live. (laughs) Hey, that works. That works. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Facebook lives. You know what? I, I tried to Facebook uh, or Instagram live the competition, and I totally messed it up. Um, so people only got like five minutes of our local competition live streamed. I need to work on my uh, my technical skills. Um, as you guys know, that's the theme. You know, I need George to help me turn my the dings and pops off of this computer before we do these podcasts and need to learn how to do live streams. 
maybe I need to start setting process goals. Speaking of the meat, how did it go overall? We didn't really talk about the meat. Yeah, so the meat went real well. Um, you know what? Uh, we will probably have to do a full recap because I don't. I am not prepared with my numbers, um, and that's a good idea because we had a lot of made lifts, and uh, I like to write out the numbers of like, you know, percentage of made lifts and this and that, um, and then we can kind of go over that, and that might be a good um, a good topic in general for a podcast is to. Uh, you know, see what the good signs are as far as, uh, you know, your team at a meet and how many made lifts or, you know, where you need improvement at, um, because there's always, uh, lessons to learn from that. Um, so I'll get to work on that this week and maybe next week we will pull in and, uh, do like a meat recap, like, or how to do a meat recap and use our own meat as that example. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be a good podcast, honestly. Like just kind of talking about the numbers and then how you can apply it to yourself or your own training or your own competitions. Yeah, I like it. All right. So make sure you guys go out there, set your goals. Shoot us a message if you want some help organizing your thoughts with goal setting and all that. Um and uh we'll get you uh get you set up. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Uh, Before we go, I got one little quote. Um, A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action becomes reality. I feel like it would be good for you to uh, hear that to go with your goal setting. Nice. I like it.